Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999, dancing on our own to the rhythm of the night here in 2022. I'm one of our, I'm one of our hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Philisco. One of our hosts, one of the hosts. Mm-hmm. With us again, Tom Eisen, truly a pleasure. Again. Don't the emphasize the again. The best in the biz. Like that. Now, with us uh, for the last time, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but this is an episode we have teased many a time. Yeah. So much so, I would say, Kenny, we were so effective in teasing this that when I reached out and texted Tom and said, are you free to come on for, for uh, Beau Travai? Uh, he was like, wait, we're really doing it? <laughs> actually doing this movie i was like we're doing it oh, I, we were always intending to do it it was never a question i don't know why it. it took us so long i don't know either. i assumed you were gonna wait until you were just fed up of doing a podcast <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> this is the way to just kill it <laughs> I, I can i just i just want to say this uh i think that kenny and i have similar uh went into this with similar perspectives in the sense that i knew very little about this movie i really didn't know what it was about um, I knew that it had uh, a lot of um, love for it. It's been on a lot of sort of 99 lists over the last, you know, decade or also, so. Also like best of the 90s lists. Like yeah. the, the people who have seen it and love it, yes. love it. 100%. It's, it is definitely a, a sight and sound type movie, a movie mm-hmm. that's like on lots of lists like that. Um, all I knew... I, I, I believe IndieWire just had it as number two yes. movie of the, of the 90s. Of the 90s. Yeah, it was it was the 90s. yeah, number one was the 99 or two, as wide shut. 
but uh, yeah. number two of the whole nineties, they had it. Yeah, yeah, cinema, cinema. <laughs> cin- right. Do they call it, it cinema? I mean, it is with a capital cinema. C. It's this cinema. is the most like this is definitely Kenny, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think definitely one of the artiest movies of nineties. No, without right? without question. And I don't cinema. say that in a negative way. Yeah. I just mean like this is full on this ballet. And I, this and eyes wide shut. Like, <laughs> the, well. It's First, not, I mean, are there, is there, but it's not 20 affected. lines of dialogue in this movie? It's, uh, I counted, it's 22. It's not <laughs> affected. You know what I mean? No, I it's I like, what's okay. Of, of, you've done most of the films of 99. 85, what's 90%. The closest to this well, of the I ones mean, that you've done in terms of arty cinema, capital C cinema. I think here, you, so Kenny, you alluded to this the other day when you were texting me about. I think, we, or maybe we've even talked about this on on Zoom or something like that. But you know, Girl on the Bridge was a movie that you referred to, also mm-hmm. a French film, um, a beautiful film, definitely a, a film film, right? Like a movie that's like we're in black and white and we look really beautiful, and it's all about like fate and love and all that kind of stuff. Vanessa Paradis, love right, it, right, right, right. It's a different Daniel animal. Artois, is that right? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a different animal because it has a plot. <laughs> yeah. It it also it also feels like it could have been at home. Yeah, it's like a fucking night. sellout. It felt like it could have been at home in in you know among nineteen sixties films. Like yes, it, yes, it, yes. it it doesn't feel that spiritually that far removed from a breathless, yes. you know. Yes. Where mm. like this is its this, own animal. This, this is very much a nineteen ninety nine film. Mm-hmm. You know, like this. Like I I think. The answer to your question, actually, it's not a 99 fucking movie. It's a 2009 movie. Which one? Her Locker. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you you said, I think you texted me and was like, or, or said something along the lines of, what if Her Locker ended with a dance to the rhythm of the night? The and it is Extremely kind of similar movies. <laughs> yeah. um, you know it, what? I'd say the ending to The Hurt Locker isn't too dissimilar. It's not. It isn't. You mean that you mean goes, the heavy metal you go, and you, him just like fucking like you go through the entire film of Hurt yep. Locker yep. Uh, with the, how how tough it is and it's the it's fucking extreme and it's intense and the crippling effect that it has on on the people doing it and mm-hmm. it's not the the Hollywood you know explosions and slow motion doves sure. and then the very last scene is that. They're it's not suddenly all that dissimilar, and yeah. in slow motion, and it's the fantasy version of being bomb disposal. But would would you? I, I do think it's an interesting comparison because I, I do think that as similar as they might very well be on a certain level, they're also obviously very dissimilar as well. I don't think that this film that we're talking about today is much of a quote-unquote indictment of the military-industrial complex. <laughs> like I don't really think that this movie is really much is. of a. Com- you do. Okay. Sure. Of colonialism and also of that, sure. Sure. yes, yes, but yes, uh, yes, certainly yes. of colonialism, but also of you know chain of command, like yes, the, yes like yes. very much like the the kind of the, the brainwashing uh, chain of command type mm-hmm. thing, and the way these you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, fallible people, fallible sure. men in this sure. situation have such control over other people's livelihoods and lives yep. and yep. that i think is you know and it's and, and also you know like the boondoggle nature of this whole thing it's like only a military thing you know but i i don't mean to suggest that it's not it is in its own way a condemnation of the military i do think that it's done in a very um 
a more, I don't want to say emotional because Hurt Locker is emotional, but that movie is also sort of like aggressively masculine, despite the fact that it is directed by a woman. There, This film is very tender. Like this is a very sort of, I mean, at least that's the impression I got about it. Despite the fact that at the heart of it is, I guess, a story of revenge or just hatred of oneself or mm. something along those lines. It does feel very sort of... Um, I mean, it's it's more like visual poetry I, than I it think. Is. I think the indictment that the indictment of it. Sorry to interrupt, Kenny. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the, the the indictment of military comes in what I consider to be actually the comedy of it. Sure, sure. That you watch, and I, I bet you didn't expect me to talk about it yeah. being a comedy, <laughs> where, where you get all of these um, uh, sequences of of fucking men at the very peak and they're physically they're beautiful because they're strong and they're like greek statues they're True. perfect they're perfect killing people and they're doing all their back and forth and their gun exercises and they're rolling around in the sand and they're fucking intense and then almost always it cuts away to a local watching them <laughs> just like <laughs> what the fuck are you doing <laughs> The fuck you do- and not only that, but what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, what the fuck are you doing here? Especially because yeah. the French Legion. It's just like it's yeah. French Foreign Legion. I love it's just, it. it's. Yeah, I agree with you. It is funny, and I think that I think she I think should. Too, you know, I, we'll talk about that in a second. I think the 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 funny the, the the funniest recurring gag of this movie. Again, this is the funniest movie of two thousand of nineteen ninety nine. But the funniest recurring <laughs> gag of this movie is that every single. I don't know what the what the titles are, but every single private, for the lack of a better title in this, every single underling is like perfect. Like they're physically perfect, gorgeous Greek gods. And they are, they, the people commanding them is troll-like Denny Levant. And this, the you great, know. What a, a great face. That guy's got a great yeah, and, face. And, 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 best. And in like, and truly like in, in, you know, in a vacuum, he's handsome. Sure, Next sure. to these guys, he's, he's a fucking he's he's eight <laughs> inches shorter than them, and his face has been like his face has just been pounded over and over with a meat tenderizer. And then I think the guy's name is Michelle Suber, Suber the the Super um, who plays uh, Satan. Suber, who, who no 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 that no. he's the he's the guy yeah, who plays Forestier. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. and like some, you know he's just some fat oaf. So you have these listen, two- listen, what you have to understand. <laughs> Is and this is what I love about mm. France mm. is the French have sexy ugly or ugly sexy. Yeah. Yep. So yep. Yep. Oh, I'm on my way there. Then. And, and, <laughs> and it, when you reach a certain age, move to France and you're fucking Adonis. Yeah, you'll be. Yeah. But be just yeah. Like they're sexy. They're the sexy older men, and you have all of these beautiful young physiques. That's and, cool. You know that's all great. But then in, sexy, in America, in Levant, sexy. Yeah, in America, these guys. Danny Levant. Danny Levant. Danny Levant. In sexy. fact, there was an article not the not that long ago with um, you know who I mean, Eddie Marzan. He's an an English actor. What was he in? Ray Donovan. He was. I yeah, think I think I know you're talking about. I think Ray I know Donovan. Donovan. I don't look about. He's one of the yeah. best actors in the world. He's amazing. Uh, but he's got a characterful face, and he said, oh, yeah, he's yeah, if, he's been in like he was in like uh, Miami Vice. He's done lots of he's done lots of Mike and, Lee and he's done lots of Mike yeah. Lee films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's yeah, the yeah, best. Yeah. He's amazing. He's great. Um, and he was like, if I lived in France, I'd be a sex symbol. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's completely right. <laughs> it is a very interesting depiction of 
masculinity, this film, in terms of how beautiful, I mean, the, the guy, so, so the young recruit whose name is, is it Sentan? Setan? Yeah, he, something like that. Something yeah. like that. He up. kind of gives off a little bit of an Adam Driver vibe. I don't know if you guys got that. There's something a little bit kind of angular about him that I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, but he's still but beautiful, all, but also perfect. Yes, yeah, a perfect specimen. They're all. <laughs> it's there's something also about like the the birthday party, birthday cake kind of mo- like all those moments of just sort of camaraderie and seeing all these just like beautiful specimens being like lovely people on top of everything else, and you're just like, it, it's. It's a fascinating depiction of war. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> there, 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 there's, there's no war. That's I the know. whole point. I like, know. there's, it's like, it's like that, that, uh, that. I guess is a parable. I don't know if it's true or not about the, 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 the platoon on the island that they didn't know World War. I think it's a Japanese yep. platoon yep. on an island that didn't, didn't know, know World War Two, yeah. two ended, and they were training for fifty years. And yeah. it's that's what that's essentially what. There's no fucking french Djiboutian war still if there ever was <laughs> like, what, there's even no peacekeeping operation well, i don't even know what it is they're just don't fucking chilling and yeah. you know sleeping with the women and dancing i mean they, they go to this dance club a couple times yeah there does seem to be a little bit of a fractured <clears throat> narrative going on too in terms of, there like, is. Kind of jumping around a little bit in time at least with mm-hmm. is it galoo galoo how do you say right that's how you say his name the, your canadian the- phil I know this Whatever, is guys. I took. I anyway. Wait till we do um, the hurricane next week. A real Canadian movie. That is a Canadian the movie. Hur- um, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but we're seeing sort of him in sort of past and present a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. so we do kind of pop to him post military and how he's grappling with that, and we see him dancing a little bit in that. <clears throat> so, like, there's just there's there's, there's yeah. a, I want to just uh, unpack the dancing he, thing. For by a the second. way, he not- barely grapples. Like that's no. not really what's going on. I no, think in those, yeah. in those, in those, um, that voiceover. I think the voiceover is him justifying what he did. That sounds right. I mean, I I think that. I mean, I don't even. This was one of those movies that, and we've and we've we've covered a couple of these where. I kind of had to just let it wash over me, if that makes any sense. I didn't really want to, because it was it was clear pretty early on that like this wasn't going to be a, a plotty movie, and I obviously don't say that with judgment. That this was going to be a a mood piece, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I just kind of let it wash over me, as opposed to like really kind of thinking about it too much. I know that might just not be articulate, but that's kind of I just kind of let it exist, and in doing that. I didn't feel like it, it felt like temporal. It didn't, it almost didn't feel as though it was in any, like th- that his character wasn't even locked into any particular time of his life, if that makes any sense, or any particular sort of, um, I think what you're saying is true, Kenny. I think that that's probably the right take. I guess I just didn't lock into it in that way, which is not to say that it's, you know, wrong. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't I think he's regretful, but I, okay. at least consciously, if you were, you don't think he's wanted... regretful, really? Even in that last shot of him holding the gun, which I no. also don't think is a suicidal thing. I think that's no, I don't think neither do I. I think it's a sex, a love of the military. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, you know, we could talk about the the final scene, um, the greatest scene that's ever been. 
Well, it is the greatest scene that's ever been. <laughs> it's so yeah, and it, it is the greatest scene that ever ever been. Part of it is is because oh, you know, so God good. love you if you think you know what's going on in that scene. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like no, it's like it's yeah, it, totally. It's, I, it's a it's a real Rorschach test, I think, and I, I really I really was kind of blown away, and I knew how much I loved it because when they cut to the credits i was begging for more and they gave me and And then you got it i was like wait there's got to be more right i was like that's how i felt i mean there has to be more you can't leave (laughs) and then they came back so that was wonderful yeah it was was one more bite at the apple i I, also like such great little like that the way i don't even understand so claire denny's obviously the i've never watched any of their other films i'm i'm a fucking idiot oh really watch um uh white material my friend just told me white materials is like Which brilliant. White materials. Isabel Hubert. It's, um, is Isabel right? It's also set in um, former French colonial Africa, and uh, coffee. Oh, nine, coffee nine plantation movie. that she uh, it, 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 she has to abandon, but she refuses to because um, yeah. revolution's coming. It's amazing. She's the best actor in the world. I so okay. I've not also seen any of Claire Denis' movies. So this was my this was my entree into her work as well. And and uh, I was actually talking with a friend about her, and who who went to Tish and was just like, it feels like a film, you know, student thing to just like kind of do deep dives into Claire Denis because like all my friends I've talked to have done this, and I feel like an idiot for having not. She's got obviously a lot of movies. This movie was you her can't sixth. watch everything. No, of course not. This was her sixth, <laughs> and I would argue that this was her. This was kind of a a big movie for her. It didn't make much money, but it did feel like this kind of put her on the map a little what? bit. This movie did not make a lot of money. What? I hate to be the one to break it to you. Uh, do you want to guess no. how much money this movie made, Tom? I'd like to hear your guess. No. How much was it? What was the budget? First of all, uh, I, I I could not find the budget anywhere. I, I I saw four million. Did you really? Okay, so yes. it's, it, let's just assume that it's around there. The movie mm. made five hundred and seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, All from Tom Mason at the right base. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, and I was just talking to my my, my friend Jordan about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's like, "Why did they?" I mean, he loved this movie and and loves Claire Denis. It's like, it, it, I think the comment was, "It must be nice to continue to make these movies lose money." And if you look into it a little bit, like this was funded by the French government. Like the French, the the French government had a. Uh, had a, a a series of films mm-hmm. about quote unquote foreign lands, and <laughs> and Claire Denis was like, yeah, sure, I'll do a, I'll do a movie about that. And she, you know, twisted it a little bit and wanted it uh-huh. to be about what's it like to be a foreigner to yourself, and that's kind of the that's kind of the little little seed that birthed mm-hmm. Bochavia. I um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting that. So High Life comes out a few years ago, right? High Life was the uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, Juliette Binoche mm. movie. It came out in 2018. Uh, it was an A24 movie. And I assumed that that movie made money. <laughs> like, it just felt as though, like, a lot of people were talking about it. Had it had a little like, imprint, yeah. Had a little bit of a... A bit, a little bit of impact. I guess it cost around $8 million to make. It made, like, three. Um, and I think, I, again, it's a movie I want to watch. I've heard it's quite good. I don't know if you've seen it, Tom. Have you seen Highlight? I haven't. No. Um, I, she seems like someone that A24 
would champion, right? Like it makes, it makes sense. And then to see it not perform, you'd have to wonder whether or not, like, maybe they were just like, listen, if we, if the Robert Pattinson, Claire Denis movie can't make us money, I'm not really sure what we're going to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, but to your point, Kenny, I think there's something very um, specific about her. You know, we, we, we haven't talked about this a lot, although I guess we have talked about it a fair amount, but there was a, there were a handful of female filmmakers in 99 that actually, you know what I mean? That, that more that, than I think people, give credence really yeah yeah you know virgin suicides and 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 boys don't cry being probably at the top of the list of two big ones um but plenty of smaller ones like um ravenous was directed by a a woman and 200 cigarettes was directed by a woman and oh yeah you know the matrix for instance and but there there are not like a lot a lot but there are them there there are definitely more than 10 i know that yes. feels damning with fame praise but like yep. there were definitely like because i remember midway through this i i listed like six or seven that i really loved so i yep. think they're a bunch <clears throat> yeah it's it, it's just it's interesting that i don't feel like claire is put on that list as much as she should be right like she should be in that top five oh, she top, should be with yeah yeah, yeah. Wait, what, of what, top what, female what, directors you're right yes i right. think she kind of is okay Okay. I mean, I know, I like, but, but, I, Jane, there's a Jane Campion movie in '99. Um, also true. Also I true. And, and <laughs> one of her Jane stranger Camp- ones. And yes. Jane Campion jumps to mind as another person who, outside of the piano, really never made money with her films uh, from a different country, from a country that supports the arts a little better than our country does, and uh, is now probably considered by most people to be like a you know a top ten living film director. I think my sense is Claire Denis also is considered to be a top ten living film director by. The, people the same who, circles, I would argue. The same, the same circles, yes. Yes. But like you said, yeah, yeah, like you said, yeah. second sound. You know? Yes. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I mean, listen, she has a new film. She has two films coming out this year. So, you know, let's, I'm very curious to see what those are like. Um, I want to give a, a, a little bit of context for the people who haven't seen this film. And based on its box office, that's probably a few. Uh, <laughs> foreign Legion officer Galu, we're going to just call him that, uh, recalls his once glorious life leading troops in the Gulf of, how did you, is it Djibouti? Is that how you say it, Ken? Djibouti is the country, yeah. yeah. His existence Interesting there that they happy- say the once, interesting that they call it glorious. His once glorious life. Yes, glorious. Uh, his <laughs> existence the there was happy, strict, and regimented, but the arrival of a promising young recruit, Satan, plants the seeds of jealousy in his mind. He feels compelled to stop him from coming to the attention of the commandant <clears> who he <throat> admires, but who ignores him. Ultimately, his jealousy leads to the destruction of both Satan and himself. Uh, the film screened at the Venice Film Festival for the first time on September 4th, 1999. As I mentioned, it would go on to make a little over half a million dollars. Uh, it is 86% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 77 from audiences. The film was highly acclaimed in the United States. The Chicago Reader rated it a masterpiece. Salon wrote that the film is the most extreme example of Denise's talent, baffling and exhilarating. I didn't know when, I, I don't know when I've seen a film that is so many ways foreign to what draws me to movies and still felt under a spell. Rolling Stone uh, gave it the highest rating, called it unique and unforgettable. And the Village Voice wrote that the film is so tactile in its cinematography, inventive in its camera placement, and sensuous in its editing that the purposefully oblique and languid narrative is all but eclipsed. Um, I want to talk for a quick second about, or maybe not for a quick second, but I want to talk about the, I guess, the, I, the dancing. Um, and by that, I mean the soldiers, when they're doing these various training exercises that you refer to, Tom, are basically doing 
dance sequences, right? I mean, this this is yeah. They had a choreographer yeah, rather right? than okay. uh, a military advisor working with them. So it feels um, as though it's a, a commentary, a ballet on... choreographer, right? But on, they like, also but they movement. also had a um, they also had someone in the cast who served in the French Legion, who was so they were kind of working together. Sure. So these like mm-hmm. I think these are I think the point that I'm making is. These aren't as far removed from what the French Legion actually does sure. as I think may be suggested by the film. I think that this is seems pretty close. Mm-hmm. I think that all the um, queer undertones are just that. I think they're undertones. I, I mean, obviously, I they, obviously, there's plenty of stuff that could be read as queer coded, but also just like you know, that's a function of military life, working with your shirts off and, you know, fighting and that kind of shit. Um, All the Billy Budd stuff is like, if you just dive a little bit into it, just a little, little bit, you know that like, all right, now I I get the story you're telling from the jump and I know what to look out for. But Billy Budd stuff you're referring to is that the filmmakers were inspired by a story by Herman Melville called Billy Budd sailor and his yep. poems the night march and gold in the mountain did you i didn't do any diving billy, into well, that. there are two things so yeah. there's the 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 short story billy bud that's essentially this mm-hmm. this story the 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 plot of billy bud is about a superior who is you know kind of taken with billy bud but also threatened by billy bud and also threatened <clears> with his <throat> own sexuality and eventually sure. sends him to his death i believe and uh all the the which um, melville didn't finish he didn't, he didn't finish. He, That's right. It was released posthumously. Someone else fiddled around with it, and yeah, it was me. It. But um, <laughs> I, did <beautifully>. I did. <laughs> I did the last pass. But uh, the other thing is, all of the orchestral stuff you're hearing and the 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 choral stuff is from an opera called Billy Bud. So it's scored with this this idea of yeah, she's she's yeah, she's it, not. It, it's only it. it's it's only it's only one layer deep. The, the um, opera, which the music was Benjamin Britten, and one of the uh, yes. writers of the opera was E.M. Forster, who was uh, at the, he was gay. Yeah, but he was at a time where you couldn't come when, out when homosexuality. So he really in, in the yeah. opera. The opera is even more explicitly gay than the book. So in uh, Billy, but Bud, still, it's hidden under wraps. So it's getting. In, Sorry, I, I, just sort of curiosity that in Billy Bud, which I know is unfinished, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But the jealousy that the protagonist feels towards Satan is that Billy Bud. Okay, that's is, who Billy Bud is. Okay, but is that in the in the story? Is it motivated by desire or is it just purely jealousy? No, it's desire okay. and it's no, self-loathing. I- Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm asking. I, I think the only it's... reason I'm asking is because I, I listen. I didn't. I didn't necessarily feel that Galu was, uh, that he had sexual desire towards Satan. Maybe I. I, I no, can't, but yeah. whether he did towards his superior. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yes. That's the okay, question. Fair enough. Fair and enough. it because it's it becomes clearer. There are a couple of moments where the superior. What's his name? Forestier. Uh, just reveals how he feels about um sometimes the the first is is it during the birthday when he mentioned the yep. birthday cake and he's sitting at the head of the table and sometimes next to him and just the little flicks of the eye over to sometime which is just pure dirty <laughs> dirty yeah. french man there's a, an australian um saying for men like that they're called uh rock spiders 
Hold on, oh, he's a fucking old rock spider. No, and that's what they like that's what they mean when they call me rock. that. I get it. <laughs> like, ah. Just kind of throwing that little glances amazing. over to him. Rock it's a good one. I, I just um, to, I want to kind of uh, underline that for a second because I do think that this movie is just brimming with shots like that, moments like that, silent moments of just that that are there's again you know picture speaks a thousand words but there's something about these moments that she captures that make this movie feel so real and so mm. like you're a fly on the wall it it just it doesn't even feel rehearsed do you know what i'm saying like you just feel like what you're mm. watching they just there's propped of a camera and these people are just doing what they would have done if there wasn't a camera there is unreal really unreal to but, yeah the the other moment being uh when forestia and Santan uh outside at night having a cigarette yes and Santan talks about being found in a stairwell and the oh, Caressia yeah. just says what a, a beautiful find good find yeah good find good find, good find. it was a good and one this, and just walks away but there's you know there's two men smoking cigarettes and there's something very sexual about the the cigarette smoking and when Santan and Forestia are smoking it's overly sexual Mm-hmm. It's really provocative. Whereas whenever you see um, Galou smoking, it's like he's got filthy old roll-ups that he's just toying yeah. around and he doesn't know what to do with it. And you kind of get the impression, uh, to, if you're going along with that imagery, you can find the impression that he's not, maybe he's not particularly uh, erect, erect functional. <laughs> <laughs> That's you're welcome everyone good night erect functional with tom meisen erect functional it's a great oh, band I think... um, I... <laughs> and you know that you know yeah. when when the girl uh, is asked by her her friend whether they're you know how they are how they're about their sex life whether he's yeah. her boyfriend towards the end and what's it like he treats me well and he's there lying on the bed he he can't get an erection he's not erect functional <laughs> yeah, he seems like a very. Whereas um, then there's this really pert, beautiful young boy, and he and Forestia, he's he's functional. Mm-hmm. Well, there's it's even even taking the the erectile function or dysfunction out of the equation for a second. I do think that uh, Glue just seems so um, pent up and and frustrated with himself, and and really unable to in any way. Uh, express himself, which is strange. Like the only expression we really get is in how brutal he is towards his, obviously to his subservience. Um, and that's just which obviously is, just an expression of what you're talking about, which is, you know, again, in other ways. Again, yeah. why the dance at the end is so incredible. So uh, because it's the complete opposite. And it's why Denis Levant is the perfect actor for it. When uh, I was watching it again the other day, and my wife kept walking past and seeing, and there's all these very, you know, Levon with his chest out and very, very solid and mm. can't move. And she just kind of sigh and roll her eyes and move on. <laughs> and then when it finished, I said, you just have to come and watch the ending. Yeah. And I rewound it and showed her the making the bed and then the dance. And she went, oh, I'd watch that film. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how Phil yeah. and I felt because we yeah. didn't know anything about this movie outside yeah. the fact that you liked it. And uh, David Sims loves it. He does. And, but we knew very little about it, right? And then the ending kind of 
cropped up online a little bit. Like, not even like a big thing. I'm pretty sure it felt like it was just like there was some Twitter thread about yep. great endings, surprising yep. endings, and someone threw it on there. And I think I sent it to you, and I'm like, did you know Bo Travel ends like this? Yeah. And then we were just like, we got to see how you get here. Yeah. You know, but what's fortunately we knew the end of going into it, but like still, it really doesn't matter that much because the whole movie, it does. I mean, Tom, are you up on Better Call Saul? Not that it really matters, but uh, yeah, I've got the finale to watch. I'm, so, I'm all the way up to the finale. Yeah. So you you get like basically the Better Call Saul has this whole like, how is this Jimmy yep. going to turn into the Saul we know from Breaking Bad. And there mm. is, like, that doesn't ruin the show. That enhances the show. That's how we watched it. It's how is, how is this guy going to do that dance? <laughs> it's, I, I, I want to say also, it needs to be said that this dance scene that we're all referring to was shot in a single take. They just did it basically once. <laughs> and it's just fucking brilliant. And it and and there's there is the I'd say the, worth watching online. I'm going to watch it as soon as this it, podcast is over. I it is, I've wait. watched it, is, it on its own so many times, it is so, countless so times. Joyous. It is. It is so fascinating to watch. It's very freeing. I so it's also. I, I found this out online. I think it's amazing that apparently this was the film that inspired Greta Gerwig to be a director, which I love. Oh, um, I don't see really any connection between her work in this film but that's neither here nor there i just think that the takeaway that i think is interesting about that right is and i think we all probably felt this in one way or another watching this film is that anything is possible that 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 film is 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 so malleable and film is so the potential of it is endless right and i think that when you watch films like this it and because we're inundated with films that are so shackled to plot and intellectual property and any number of other things every now and then to see somebody like this is such a fucking breath of fresh air because it just makes you feel like oh well jesus like why am i so like rigid in the way that i think about film um that's what's so, one of the things that's so special about this this uh well taking the dance again uh two yeah. things to say about it that uh, about the filmmaking process and how you can get magic like this it was originally, that scene was uh, meant to be earlier in the film. And it was sure. only during editing that she said it has to be yeah. the end. It's, it it, it, it leaves you with so many questions and it's so beautiful, yeah. whether it is even happening or not. The juxtaposition exactly. of the scene in the bed next to this dance scene, it just makes you go, perfect. Like, oh, it's perfect. But also the brilliance of casting someone like Denis Levon, who... Now, he was, I read somewhere that he had been doing a play in Paris. The, the shooting was postponed uh, in 98 because of the, the French presidential election. Okay. And during that time, he was like, I can't, I can't hang around and wait for this fucking film to start. So he went and did a play in Paris. Mm. And Claire Denis called him and said, we're ready to go. When do you finish the play? He said, two weeks. He said, she said, the day after you come down you're flying out to Djibouti and we're filming this. So all of the other soldiers had to be doing all of their training and their exercising. He didn't. He was doing some play. Sure. And then came out and went straight into being the commander. Now that creates, a, you know, he could, yep. an actor as brilliant as him could easily play the, the commander of them, but it's got to add a layer to it. 
mm-hmm. that they've all been together for two months training. Exactly. And he just wanted in. Also, look at his body because that's him having not worked out. Yeah. <laughs> that's just him. And but you he is he trained, I think, as a clown. And he trained as a clown and a dancer. I didn't even need to train. He was known for, but... <laughs> <laughs> and she cast him as this rigid, completely yeah. upright guy, but then it works for the the fluid Absolutely. dance in the in the desert. It's only pure luck yeah. that when you have a scene and you say, "Okay, now you're in a, a nightclub on your own, and you've got to dance it all out." I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I want to know now. If, if you, you said to me, to if you said to me, Phil, if you directed so. me and said, Tom, go and stand in the corner and dance it out, it would not be this scene. <laughs> what would it be? What would it be, Tom? It would be far more elegant. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be, there, there would be no barrel rolls out of frame. I, yeah, it's, there's something about... No, you'd have to they drag me off. He's not even... I mean, I, I don't... Our listeners need to just, you know, go on YouTube and watch the clip because, you know, obviously we're not going to be able to do it justice, but it, it should be said that it is... He almost seems possessed, right? Like, he seems as though he's just on some other plane of existence. Yeah. And it's just it's now, unreal. I'll tell you the, uh, how I came across this film in 99 or 2000. Mm-hmm. And it was purely because of Denis Levant, who was in the video for Rabbit in Your Headlights, my uncle of course with he was. Tom York. So I walking down the tunnel, constantly getting knocked down. And yes. again, like that, he's someone who's incredibly physical. He has his amazing face and he was like a man possessed. And I immediately fell in love with him. He's incredible. And so I saw a poster for this and thought, wow, that's that guy from the music video. And wow, fuck, I did not expect this film. <laughs> I So have you seen Holy Motors? Because I have not. And I know he's yes. in it. And apparently... Leo's Carax. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I hear it's yeah, I thought I thought about watching that too. Um, I did too. But it, it's not it's that and, and I was going to watch High Life. And I didn't, and I wish I had, but particularly Holy Motors, which I've been meaning to watch for 10 years. Same. Although I will say, I couldn't finish Annette, so maybe they're just not for me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, that's, a, that's not good. Even with him and Werner Herzog, 
in the same film. It, that, I, I mean, and that was one of those films that I hit play and I was like, all right, like, I think I kind of get what I'm, <laughs> yeah, what I'm let's go. For. Let's do this. So just based the, on film Twitter. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> Uh, because one of us needs to consider your listeners, guys. Uh, Internet, that's about uh, uh, Michael singing baby lookalike who goes to a, a commune, like an island full of other lookalikes. No, no right? I, I think you're thinking of a different film. Or maybe you're not. Are you, thinking of, are you thinking of the, jo- Driver and Mary, of the and Joseph Fiennes I am thinking of a different film. What yeah, was okay. that film called? I don't that know. Was what, a joke. The, the, and it, it was... Uh, Leo, Leo's character was in it. And, was it okay. a Joseph Fiennes? Uh, no, <laughs> that's that a different one. movie. You're thinking that was the that was the <laughs> With Michael Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor wrote yeah, so I don't know what movie no. you're talking about. It sounds oh, great. And Danila Ball, who's the the lead in Vai, plays uh, Charlie Chaplin. Um, what is this movie? Leo's Carax plays his agent. Werner Herzog is in it. Samantha I don't Morton know what plays this movie is Marilyn Monroe. About, it sounds Mr. Mr. Lonely. Mr. Lonely. Lonely. That's right. Okay. That's yeah. Annette Not is Annette. Adam Driver, Marion Gotiard. It's a musical by the director of Holy Motors. Oh my God. Do you know who directed fucking yes. Mr. Lonely? No. Harmony Corinne. Harmony Yeah. Of course. Wow. Of course. of course. And Diego Luna plays Michael Jackson. That's yep. right. Wow. I'll watch this movie. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a ride. I'm in. I I, I do think though that uh Denis Levant has it's so funny that you thank you for bringing up rabbit in your headlights because i was like i know this fucking guy and i looked at his filmography and i was like i haven't seen any of these movies how do i know this guy and then you brought it up the music video of course and he's amazing and everyone should check out that music video it's it's not it's tom Eric doing the vocals who's the band though is it is it uncle twin uncle uncle um he has such a fascinating face and you can tell that she that she, by that I mean Claire Denis, is filming him very close. He had a lot of just like really just his face just <clears> filling <throat> up the screen. And Kenny, you mentioned that his face looks like looks like it's been beaten with a, a meat mallet, yeah. and it, it does. Yeah, and then hung out in the sun. <laughs> um. It's like pockmarked <laughs> and stretched, and his eyes are really far apart. But like you just he's he's so watchable. You just you just want to keep watching. He's got look, he's he, he's got a great face and he's got a handsome face in uh in that in that kind of like alternate kind of way. You know, but he's not these other fucking dudes who are just in the French Legion who are all flawless, <laughs> which is like crazy. <clears throat> they're, they're well, they really- don't get as many close-ups though, do they? They don't. Mm. He and Michel Subot, they get the close-ups. Yeah. I I, I so I wanna um the the training sequence that that I couldn't help but sort of I don't want to say laugh at but I did find kind of funny the hugs the, one where, the hugs the hugs ah now the you know how they so came good. across that no. you know how they came across that no uh, the guy who was in the Foreign Legion told them that's an actual thing that they do huh that didn't come from the choreographer that came from the Legion it's great it's great it's amazing <laughs> it's great there's also just like. There's uh, the shots of the soldiers walking on the wires and like crawling on those those like mm-hmm. high wires, which looked fucking amazing. And then just like, and then it just cuts to a shot of four soldiers just ironing, just ironing their yeah. shoes. <laughs> yeah, it's they do crazy. a lot of domestic tasks, uh, which <laughs> which I'm guessing is very much on purpose. Um, yeah. You know, but I think this this movie to me without. 
question, Phil, maybe you, maybe you have another candidate, is the most like visually gorgeous film we've done. And the way the way the you know kind of the vistas, the the topography, the mm-hmm. mountains and the waters right next to each other, the color palette, mm-hmm. it's like not it's it's really like nothing that I've I've ever seen. And, th- and I, interestingly, I, it's it's shot somewhere so bleak as well. It, so to be able yes. to get something so beautiful out of something so bleak, it's an incredibly it's perfect for yeah. the story as well. It's an incredibly unusual uh, Western portrait of Africa. When you see Africa in Western films, it's almost always, you know, like like just just poverty beyond belief or occasionally, you know, beautiful wildlife, but a different like kind of Mm -hmm. look like has anyone ever kind of has anyone ever thought of Africa and thought blues? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just not it's just not a it's not a color palette, a color tone you associate with Africa, with burnt out sub-Saharan Africa, because that's what we've been sold so many times. Like I think as someone, and Claire Denise spent most of her childhood in Africa, um, as someone who grew up there, I think she really did find, or maybe not even find, she really did kind of amplify an Africa she knew and she loved. And uh and it's too bad that it hasn't been more kind of you know, brought was, to other people's attention because it is it was, is another another face of Africa. Yeah, I was thinking kind of the same thing. And I've always been interested by people who live near the sea. I've always had mm-hmm. British seaside towns ever since I was a kid have made me feel really, really fucking uneasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about people trying to get as far away from land as possible. Mm-hmm. And they just can't get any further. And yeah. geographically, Djibouti is kind of the same for... Yeah, it's like on the horn, the, right? The, ...the French. It's all the way down before the, uh, I guess, the Sudanese little horn bit. Yeah. So far from France, so the very, very far distant bit of French-occupied North Africa. And... For it to be about people who are trying to escape anything by joining the Legion, and then it's the bit of the Legion that is trying to escape France and then trying to escape land and they reach sea and can't get any further. I love that she's really emphasising the sea, especially the first sea close-up that you get is a fucking old tyre. Well, there's, yeah. you know, there's a shot that really stayed with me that speaks to what you guys are talking about, which is you see the regiment um, are, are, I guess they're digging in some sort of like rock bed that's close to the ocean. And you just see the blue of this ocean and then them just chipping away and the dust. I know exactly what you're them. talking about. You know about. what I'm talking about? Mm. Yeah. It, it, it was just so arresting and it's just not an image that I would ever have associated with that geographic, with that, you know, area no, of the world. No. I, I, you know, I'm scrolling right now, Kenny, trying to think of a movie that visually made me think of this film in some way. And this is going to sound like an odd choice, but maybe you'll sort of understand where I'm coming from. I think that the limey has a similar visual language, taking away subject matter, taking away, obviously, that one is a crime drama. But like it does. You're right. I hear you. The, there, there's something about and Soderbergh has talked about this, about how like that film was essentially found in the editing room. And you sense that he kind of 
just decided to shatter it into a million pieces and try to come up with imagery that that juxtaposed nicely next to each other and spoke and i do think that obviously they're two very different filmmakers but that's just that's a film that i thought is a little well, and then and to tom's point that's that is that film is geographically pushed out as far yeah. as you can yeah. possibly be pushed out on this continent yeah. you know like they're literally I, the climax takes place in the water mm-hmm. you know of that film hmm. so yeah i think that's a pretty good um good, is that the terrence stamp film yes, yes. Oh, have you have you, have you seen the Limey? Oh, you would love Baron Stamp, Peter Fonda. Yeah, it's you good. Would love it. Good uh, really, really good. Uh, it's his. It was his follow up to Out of Sight, and it's really, really, really good. Right. Um, but the other thing that I, you know, speaking of images that that stayed with me from this film, those salt fields when he's uh, when when Satan is has been his his compass has been fucked with he's been just sent oh, yeah. out into the world and he's clearly lost he knows he's lost he knows he's probably going to die and he comes across these i mean are, are they what are they called uh the salt flats and he lies down in this it literally looks like it almost looks like snow, right? Like it almost has this, mm. it's so white. They look like giant snowflakes. Obviously they're not, they're hardened crystals of salt that he's lying in. Just absolutely exquisite. Just, just a truly oddly beautiful moment when you're like, well, he's going to die there. <laughs> like that, that just seems like, I mean, there's nowhere else, but it, I thought it was just. Really- and the rock solid shirt that he uses oh yeah that he he uses as a a shield from the sun which is crusted with salt yeah it's it's uh i didn't even know that existed i i kenny were you aware of these salt flats was this something that okay i didn't know i i I was just stunned by it just really um i also think it's super fucked up that he fucked up his compass (laughs) i i don't it's one thing to say like you're walking back it's another to be like, oh, and you can't get back. Yeah, gonna, yeah was, he was killing him. You know, I mean, that's that was the whole story. But like, sure. I, one thing I was thinking was, you know, it was an interesting decision mm. to have Santan not die. Yep. Right? Yeah. He gets he gets picked up by some Djiboutian uh, women uh-huh. who, you know, it seems like they're picking up a dead body, and then we find out that he actually has survived this. And my feeling is like the ending would not have worked if he had died. I agree. Um, it just, it would have been, he would have been too detestable. And like the, 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 the fact is like, it doesn't really change what he did. It's a weird kind of mental gymnastics thing where it's like, okay, so he failed in his pretty good plan to murder this guy. Therefore maybe he can be redeemed. But like, that is kind of the, the mental gymnastics I'm playing with. It seems Yes. It seems as though the film is about him and failure. It's about failure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Typically, you join the Foreign Legion because you failed at everything. uh, It used to be known for criminals or people who were chucked out of the army, like Bruno Forestier, the the head of command. If you failed, you joined there and you work towards perfection. Well, Galud clearly failed, joined the Legion worked his way up, if if he is erectile, non-functional, he's failing there. He fails <laughs> in his... Point, 
I like erectile no, dysfunction. Erectile like dysfunctional is Impotent is not politically correct. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, it's erectile non non functional. Thank you. Um, um, uh, he fails there. He fails in his attempt to kill Santan. He gets shipped back to Paris. He fails as a civilian, and the only thing he's good at is dancing. This is like Billy Elliot. <laughs> Billy Elliot's the better. You should have dancer. put that on the poster. <laughs> he's he's. I love his dancing so much. I think it is the best dance dance sequence in a movie. And I'm a dance boy. I write on a dance show. Like I live this shit. But um, I think I think it's it's. I feel Phil, you were like kind of no pun dancing around it a little bit. But it's it's his. It's 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 the way he maintains this internal consistency while not adhering to the rhythm of the song. It is lunacy that it is so watchable. It should be it's it's one of those things, much like this film, that shouldn't work and works better than you can even imagine. So I, I don't know. There is an element of it, and my reaction to it the first time I saw it was it frightened the living piss out of me, mm-hmm. the dance. Having been in, in clubs similar to that around Europe, particularly around the Mediterranean, yeah. and it's, I mean, it's perfect, the little lights and the type of music that it is. Mm-hmm. And occasionally you would see a late middle-aged man on his own dancing to nothing, and it's terrifying. And when you add to that, you know that this is a man who tried to murder someone, and you know that this is a man who remains physically capable of murdering someone, and he's doing that in the corner, going completely free. Mm-hmm. You don't know what his freedom is. Especially considering the image that precedes it is a man essentially embracing a weapon, embracing yes. a pistol. Yes. Um, you know, and, and his and what I can only assume is the power that comes with it. And, you know, his his you know the the only thing he loves ultimately seems to be the regiment you know yeah the, i think the most terrifying image is just before he takes out the gun he makes the bed and stands to attention next to it so even outside of the legion he still got the killers it, they're bred to be killers mm-hmm. yeah. i think delene levon said in an interview that um he really understood the character when they were uh, doing the exercise of uh, uh, taking part and reassembling machine guns. And he said he then realized that machine gun is so perfectly made. You can take it apart, put it back together without needing to remove screws, anything. It's perfect. And it has one job, which is to kill. And it's perfect for that. And that's exactly what the legionnaires are. They're that's, created yeah. to be perfect killers. And so when you see him in the civilian world, the first time you see him there, he's up a tree with a fucking great machete hacking away at the natural world. And then the last time you see him, he's still saluting like a legionnaire. You don't know what his freedom is. And so to see him completely let go in a club, it's terrifying. So there's something, and, you know, not to get too, you know, whatever about it, but there's also something about the 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 final shot before we see him dancing is actually the sort of intersection of his arm uh, mm. and this twitching yeah, pulsating yeah. within his arm that feels 
very biological that feels very much sort of like this hardwired beat inside him that then transitions pretty beautifully into rhythm of the night but i just think that there's <laughs> it's, it's a perfect thing but i but there's something about the visceral kind of just under the skin there's something you know just pulsating within him uh you know that in and of itself is such an arresting image and you can obviously read into it however you want. I'm sure it means something to Claire Denis, you know, but yeah, it's just, there's, there was something about the way the camera just kind of like gracefully lands on this part of his arm. It's, it's haunting. Yeah. What luck to find that. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But also equally, Hmm. if I know lots of people do like to, uh, try and put as much uh, homoeroticism and sure. uh, reading mm-hmm. into it well perhaps then that's the the, the what's beating mm-hmm. inside of him you get the 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 very homoerotic image of him holding a gun Correct. and where he where he's holding it and how yeah. he's holding it and then to what's actually beating inside of him and it's the freedom in in the gayest club him dancing dressed in the, the gayest gay clothes song. dancing to the gayest yeah. song I mean, which yeah. the the only thing i texted to phil after uh watching it for the third time in the last fortnight last night was hey, wow. you, you texted me um uh Rhythm of the Night is a fucking banger. I love that it's, song. Oh, it's so <laughs> good. It's so good. I felt the same it's way. Great. I was singing it for the next three days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah, it's very good. It's great. It's, I mean, there's something also just, and and to kind of go back to what you were saying at the beginning, and I know that you were being kind of joking about, you know, this being a comedy, and I don't think that this movie is necessarily a comedy uh in the strictest sense of the word but for this movie to end on such a playful note for this movie to end on or at least a playful song or you know i mean on the surface you're watching something Mm. very joyous very fun now obviously juxtaposed to everything that's preceded it in the 90 minutes you have to question whether or not she's taken the piss out of everything that she's done before or if we're witnessing some sort of a rebirth of this man in some way or another i mean you can kind of take it any way that you want but Mm -hmm. it certainly ends on an upbeat at least the impression of that and begins on an upbeat it begins in the same club yeah Yeah. that kiss kiss song Uh, but it starts with the girl yes yeah Seeing you, I love that. that was seeing great. Galoo also in the dance club with his girlfriend, or however we want to refer to her, mm. dancing with her, and the look on his face as he's dancing is very sort of, um, you know, very sexual. It seems like he's trying, you know what I mean? He's really kind of trying to put on, there's a bit of bravado to it. So <clears> when <throat> you put that next to whatever the fuck he's doing at the end of this movie which is <laughs> is also kind of great too like there there is something about him exuding some there's something performative almost about the way he's dancing with that girl in the club just sort of you know what i mean the, the ownership of it and the sort of you know the masculinity of it and then at the end to see him dancing with with a with just you know reckless abandon reckless abandon is a perfect way to put it yeah i think it's interesting he's alone which I think is also interesting, you know, for whatever reason, I, I just talking about, we were talking about earlier, Kenny, about how we'd sort of, there was a clip that was floating around of this dancing for whatever reason, I thought it was a group <clears> dance. 
And now I'm realizing that it was the mirrors and that it seemed like there were more people there. But again, like not to get too pseudo intellectual, but like he is surrounded by mirrors. He's surrounded by reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're... pseudo that's actual intellectual. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing pseudo about that an- analysis. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that also says something, too. Um, For sure. I, yeah, there is. I will say, though, um, the camera angle of him dancing is pretty is a wide shot right because they clearly yeah. don't know what the fuck he's gonna do so the camera when it's trying to follow him there is an uneasiness of the camera being like where's he going next <laughs> which i think is fucking great yes it's it's really it's really amazing uh there were two other things i wanted to talk about um speaking of just beautiful photography the underwater sequence with the knives when they're so oh, yeah. the water with the knives and like the dirty kind of the dirt in the water and the film grain and this sort of like really sort of oddly ethereal kind of imagery just really yeah <clears throat> and also d- just the fact that they kept the dirty lens on it yep. that's there must be a reason for that that i'm sure film Absolutely. students would love to dive into <laughs> The answer being, of course, that they probably were like, oh, fuck, the lens is dirty. Oh. Like they- <laughs> it's um, too late. Other- it's lunch, everyone. It's too late. The other scene I wanted to talk about was the uh, the chess scene with uh, Fortier. Ah, now, in my notes, mm. having not written anything for quite some time, suddenly I get sexy chest. <laughs> and that's all I wrote about that. It sexy is sexy chest, chest, though. It's very sexy. Well, first of all, you know, it's, yes, it's a trope to some degree to have people play chess because it does feel like, you know what I mean? In the history of cinema, it feels as though whenever you want to show that two people are in a battle of wits, they're going to fucking play chess. Like, it just feels yeah. like that's the thing. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We all know. Uh, we all know. Um, and yet this turns out on its head, right? Like, they're not trying to, I don't really feel like they're outwitting each other. I, I think that if anything, it's, kind of on its face as to what they're doing here. But maybe I'm being, you know, glib. But. That's also with his um, uh, erectile, non-functional um, cigarette rolling. Yeah. <laughs> that is the scene of his uh, his non-erectile, dysfunctional. Yeah. All I want to do is watch the dance sequence and smoke a cigarette uh, <laughs> right now just to prove I can. You have to wear that costume as well. The the other thing that I noticed too, and I guess with a film like this, just a just a black, just a black button down and black pants with the chain and those shoes. Not that gay. I don't know. I I'll I'll say this. Yeah, I think it just looks good. But no, the sexy chest, sexy chest. They are so close together. They are, and they're they're you know they're those they're in command. They don't really do the down and dirty and roughing up with each other. Correct. Uh, with the other soldiers. So for them to suddenly, there are bigger tables that they could sit at. Yeah. They choose to sit at the tables really close. And the whereas all of, the, all of the young, beautiful, sexy Greek gods mm. can, you know, flash, flash their bodies at each other and, you know, bump into each other. Sure. They have to, to do it with chess pieces. And they, they ram their, ram their little chess. It's waving the little willies at each other. <laughs> There's also, I mean, part of it too is there's a line, and forgive me, I don't remember it uh, verbatim, but where he's like, where where uh, Fortier is is essentially saying like, oh, you're really going to make me work for this, 
right? Like he's not taking it easy on him. And that idea of uh, Galoo actually, you know, trying to beat his superior in this situation, I think is also emblematic of, of their dynamic, right? In terms of what sort of how, what, what Galoo wants to think of him as a, as a peer, as opposed to, uh, a, you know, a subordinate, I think is an interesting mm. thing there. I also feel like with a movie that has this little dialogue, or at least like lines of dialogue of people saying things to one another, as opposed to the <clears> VO, <throat> that you really tend to focus on the, the visuals, right? And there's something about Galoo's hands they're so dirty they're they're just absolutely filled with grime and the idea that he's like licking this this fucking cigarette (laughs) with his fingers all like grimy and disgusting like it's just all of that stuff just feels like it adds so much to his character well that's just that's just french people (laughs) (laughs) i mean when he's right he's right guys yeah, no, man, I can't wait to talk about Canadians uh, on the hurricane. I, oh God, I don't even. I, I genuinely have no idea. I've never seen the hurricane, so I don't remember. Oh, it's a deeply interesting movie about Canada. Um, Is it? Yes. Wait to hear my take on it. But let's. Uh, you want? You want to? Uh, yeah, we can rate this. You want to yeah, rate this, rate baby? This. Uh, you go first. Me? Yeah, you. I. Well, I mean, like, it's always disappointing when you feel like you can't really go up but i was uh i mean i was at a 96 and i i am i am you know i am erectile non-functional when it comes to going up any further i don't know if i can go any further than and it's a little hard for me to go any further um than 96 was that a was that were you attempting a pun then (laughs) he did no i think he's pretty successful at it quite frankly thank you yeah thank you I will. Uh, uh, so are you are you saying are you saying I it was a boner? We don't hear the word boner enough. Boner. Um, Fact. All right. Would you try another? Ninety six before ninety six. Now one of the finest movies we've seen all year. Strong contender for my top ten list. Strong contender for end of the year uh, wow. plaudits. Um, just a, to me, just an incredible movie uh, movie experience. I had a feeling it would be really good, or I, mean, I had a feeling I would really love it um, anyway. So unfortunately, it's not it doesn't have kind of the surprise factor of a girl on the bridge or a last night, but um, really, it's just a brilliant, beautiful film. Mr. Meisen, no, what please. Were you oh. when you saw it? Like, what's your what was your grade when you saw it? You know, in '99 or 2000, and uh, where are you now? First time. Yeah. Not quite as high as now. It was my introduction into <laughs> capital C cinema. Uh, but then to revisit it now, it was in the, the mid to high 90s. Do you think and... that it, like, when you saw it at whatever age you were at, I'm assuming you were a teenager when you saw it. Late teens, yeah. Late teens. Did it kind of crack open your head a little bit in terms of, like, what you were like, oh, wait, th- we can do this? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what, six months earlier, I went to see The Phantom Menace and then, <laughs> then I'm watching this. And that's the that's the great thing about um, movies is that you can have these two films, Phantom yes, Menace and this, yeah. in the same year. Um, this movie has, has a real it, lack of Jar Jar in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Jar Jar doing that dance at the end. Uh, <laughs> 
Again, it's too bad the movie wasn't bigger because we could have got so many dance parodies. But I know <laughs> it's true. Um, but now it's—I mean—it's as close to a hundred as you're going to get from this year for me. Um, I, I love it. So I didn't see this in '99. This was the first time I saw this film. I have not seen any Claire Denis films, but I will rectify that uh, immediately after having seen this film. Um, I came into this podcast at an eighty-eight. I very much liked it. I'm I'm at a 92 now. I mean, it's a very, very, very good movie. Um, you know, I, again, like movies like this are always a little bit tricky for me on a certain level because I feel like uh, really powerful, really important capital C cinema art, all that kind of stuff. Um, is always sort of challenging in its own way, right? So you're you're sort of it does feel like you're you got to kind of get yourself into that headspace. So I don't know that it's a film that I'm necessarily like you, Tom, going to watch three times in a couple of weeks, but I do feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, we haven't I, talked it, about, sorry. I, I, I think this I, is I, a highly rewatchable movie though, uh, okay. in, in a way that other movies we've done aren't okay. like, I thought about rewatching it this week. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, especially be, be, because like the end recontextualizes the rest Absolutely. of it. So. Yes. I, mm. I do, I, I'm, mm. and this isn't something that I think we'll necessarily be able to, to pull off the top of our heads right now, and something that I think when we, uh, when we wrap up our 99 podcast in the, in the months to come, I do think I'd love for us to talk about like best last scenes, because I do sure. feel like this is, without a doubt, one of the best, if not the best, final scene. Like, there are final lines. I think we, we've talked about, you know, obviously Eyes Wide Shut is a great final scene. Like, there's lots of great final scenes in 99, but this one... It just feels next level like it just it's just it's it's sure unreal um but uh yeah so so next week the hurricane kenny uh with your friend christian mm-hmm. christian, christian pierce. pierce um we're gonna be talking about the denzel washington norman jewison movie um they uh notoriously almost made malcolm x together um and then spike lee said uh i don't think so <laughs> and <laughs> norman jewison uh walked away uh, he said, not, he said so. not smart norman so go go find another go uh, find another black, black man to do, um to uh, do and something then they did this movie. yeah yeah norman G- all right so a little preview yeah. of my of my take on this film yeah. is i find norman jewison's t- uh like like career-long obsession Mm-hmm. with race relations in America to be extremely fascinating considering he's a white Canadian not who, Jewish not a no not a Jewish son. <laughs> uh, a, a white a white Canadian who in some ways benefits from American racism and probably does not feel in any way he is responsible for American racism um and I think that the hurricane is a really interesting and it's interesting in a lot of ways, but a really sure. interesting kind of story about American racism explicitly from the point of a Canadian person. So I think I'm it's very, really, listen, it's this really is interesting that, in that way. I'm, I'm it's almost autobiographical. We, we've, we've talked about doing this film for a very long time. Um, I'm glad that we're finally doing it. I'm interested to talk about Jewison. I think, you know, In the Heat of the Night being obviously one of those films yes. that was a huge sort of tip of the spear uh, film. Um, obviously for Sidney Poitier's career, but for, you know, just what have you. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Um, have you seen The Hurricane, Tom? Do you know of The Hurricane? A long time ago. Right, right, right. Right. Norman Jewison uh, also did Lean on Me, right, Phil? So that's... Lean on Me? No. No? No. 
No, he did not. He, who didn't lean on me? I couldn't tell you off the top some, of my head. Some other white. Some other whitey uh, <laughs> decided to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I... Um, oh, my, oh, my God. He's so interesting, dude. He's he a did, fascinating filmmaker. He like, did, he's one he, of those guys who are just like, you did this? So okay. he's not a Jew. He's not a Jew. He did he's Fiddler on the Roof. did Fiddler on the Roof. He did Jesus arguably Christ, the most Jewish, the most Jewish thing Jewish. that's ever been. He did Jesus Christ Superstar. Did, uh, really did he? Well, the one in the desert. The one in the desert, yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I love that film. If we can, uh, if we can silo out that uh, audio clip too, that'd be great. <laughs> and he had, and he had really, he, he had really, re- I mean, so he does uh, Moonstruck yeah. in 87, but he had Moonstruck really, a masterpiece. Yeah. He really kind of fallen off. Um, yeah. And but in 99, he kind of gets this chance to do this. Well, because he, he, he was trying to do Malcolm X for a long time. Like that was, that was a real uphill climb for him. Yeah. Understandably. We'll talk more about uh about not we'll talk Jewison. more about Jewison. We'll talk more about Denzel. This will be our second Denzel of ninety nine, our first being obviously the, the bone collector. collector. <laughs> everyone's yeah. uh... everyone's favorite collector. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, if you seen Bone Collector, Tom, I feel like that's a movie you probably saw a long time, right? time ago. Yeah, it was a hit. I feel like everyone saw the Bone that's Collector. the least Denzel-y Denzel movie like ever. Yeah. I, I mean, I really liked it's the movie. I'd I forgotten guess, it was but... him. Yeah, that's the whole movie in a bed. I mean, this is the thing about Denzel, which is like, I'll basically watch him in anything. Like, it's, yeah. it, I mean, I don't know, right? The hurricane is a very Denzel-y Denzel. Can't wait, can't wait. Yes, um, Tom. You know, a pleasure as always. We we love having you on. Um, I can't believe you actually did this. <laughs> we did it. Of course, we, we did knew this. we would. It was only a matter of time, really. Right. Um, but I mean, we listen, even I'm, we even didn't we even kind of bend the rules a little bit for this one? No, a little bit. In terms of its release, its American release was two thousand. Yeah, but then so was Virgin Suicides. Virgin Suicides is an American film. There were, but whatever. Okay. Yeah, idea was an American film, world release, uh, world cinema, American release, <laughs> because we were trying to like fit in a lot of stuff, and then this doesn't fall into it. You know, like world cinema. That's how you get. That's how you get like Princess Mononoke. You know, right? So oh. Mononoke, which is like a '97 I, in Japan, in uh, Japan, and '99 here. So we were oh. trying to fit in a lot of shit, but like we, you know, I mean, it did have its North American premiere in '99 at, oh, at, at TIFF. Shortly after, then it counts. That's what I'm saying. So we're it counts, good. guys. Sorry, it counts. you need rules. This is amateur <laughs> Listen, hour. No, no, no. We, no, we follow rules. We follow the rules. We follow the rules. If it had, um, if if it premiered, if world premiere at TIFF, then we're good. So as as we as we. Uh, finish this podcast and as we wrap up our 99 and our 2000 at the end of this year Tom we can't wait to have you back for whatever mm. the podcast turns into whatever we decide our next podcast is going to be we can't wait to have you on for that I'll um, be there and and it's going to be glorious whatever that is I truly at this stage Kenny and I have no idea what that is but it's going to be great we can promise people a good time uh talking <laughs> talking movies uh in some form um but uh Thank you again, Tom. This was, I'm honestly kind of no, the thank perfect you. final 99 film from <laughs> Tom Mason. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't have asked for a better one. It started with Cruel Intentions. Your list is, your <laughs> list is hilarious. Your list is amazing, Tom. Watchmen, fucking Watchmen, Die Another uh, Day or whichever one we did. To no, it was like uh, License to Kill. License, License to, kill, to Kill. Wizard. The Wizard. That was a good flick. That's the second best movie you've done. <laughs> um, Sleepy Hollow, obviously. Sleepy Hollow. Um, 
we talked Bjork, just Tom and I talking. I can't here. believe you did great. Wizard. You're a wild man. <laughs> that was my only is- request. When uh, 89, I want Wizard. Good. He, he was like, but I was like, do you want to come on for Bond as well? He's like, yeah, that's a weird Bond yeah, movie, fine. but I need to come on for the Wizard. I was yeah. like, okay. Um, just All right. a glorious Savage, person. This was great. You are. Thank you're you the so, best. so much, Tom. I love you guys. Thank you. Right. Tom, you be- Tom, meeting you is, is the, has been the best part of this podcast for me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much this was an absolute blast yeah oh yeah it was nice meeting but, you too kenny sorry thank you <laughs> bye guys hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.